Do you know what the value of prophecy is? Well, let's take it from Jesus' lips himself. This is, I'm reading from Matthew 24, starting in verse 42. And these are the words of Jesus in the Moffat, M-O-F-F-I-T-T, translation from 1935. Keep on the watch then, for you never know what day your Lord will come. But be sure of this, that if the householder had known um, had known at what watch in the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the watch and he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. So be ready yourselves, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He continues in verse 45. Now, Where is the uh, trustworthy and thoughtful servant? That's what I want to be, trustworthy and thoughtful servant, whom his Lord and Master has made or has set over his household to assign to them their supplies at the proper time. Blessed is that servant if his Lord and Master finds him so doing when he arrives. I tell you truly, he will set him over all his property. But if the bad servant uh, says to himself, My Lord and Master is long of coming. And if he starts to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards, that servant's Lord and Master, will arrive on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour which he does not know. Sharply will he punish him, and assign him the fate of the impious. There men will wail and gnash their teeth. Well, that might not might not mean exactly what you think right there at that last statement. Most people think that that means they would go to hell and burn forever and ever, but no, that's really not the case. It's They're gnashing their teeth in anger. At least this is my point of view. Now, the point of this whole section from 42 to 51 is to be ready. This is what Jesus is telling you and me to do. Be ready. Be ready. Now, am I predicting that he could come at any minute? No, absolutely not. Don't get me wrong. He's not coming today. He's not coming tomorrow. He's not coming this year or probably in the next 10 years, if you ask me. Now, this is my opinion. This is not Jesus. This is me. But there are too many prophecies yet unfulfilled that have to happen before Jesus returns for his own. So, let's go back to the beginning of Matthew 24. I want to talk to you today about some of the things that you may not have understood before or seen before in Scripture.
Matthew 24, 1. So Jesus left the temple and went on his way. His disciples came forward to point out to him the temple buildings. But he replied to them, You see all this? I tell you truly, not one stone here will be left upon another without being torn down. Let me just interject something here. Some of those stones weigh 20,000 tons. Wow. So, verse 3, as he sat on the hill of olives, this is the Moffat translation, remember, the disciples came up to him privately and said, Tell us, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your arrival and of the end of the world? Jesus replied, Take care that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will deceive or mislead many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See and do not be alarmed. These have to come, but it is not the end yet. For nation shall or will rise up against nation, and realm against realm. There will be famines and earthquakes here and there. That's where we're at right now. We've got famines, we've got earthquakes here and there. And you know, this global warming thing, let me just interject another thing here. I talked to a scientist, uh, David... Uh, McSomething. Anyway, David told me that he's been a scientist for a long time, and I asked him, well, what's, what's the source of global warming, you know, if it's real? And he said, wood. I said, wood? You mean not, not uh, cars and exhaust and all that? And he said, no, it's wood. They're burning off the uh, rainforests in South America, and the burning of that wood is destroying the ozone layer and causing global warming. At least that's what his point of view is. And I said, well, why do they um, burn it? Why do they tear down the uh, ancient rainforests? And he said they're trying to make farmland so they can grow soybeans to feed the cattle that they're going to grow there and send back to the United States. Uh, how about that? Well, that's certainly unexpected from my point of view, even though I agree with him, because uh, they're burning it at the rate of an acre a second. Can you imagine that? An acre a second. An acre is 208 feet by 208 feet square. That's an acre. I live on a three-quarter acre lot in town, and um, to me, that's, an acre is kind of a large space. If you have to maintain it and take care of it, but I'm not a farmer. I farm just part-time little stuff in my yard, basically. But I love farming and I love uh, gardening. But that's a side note. But anyway, I'm not going to burn wood so I can grow 
soybeans to feed cattle. No, no, no. We don't, we don't need cattle. We are in no danger of losing them. They're not an endangered species. In fact, there are five times more cattle on the earth than there are human beings. Five times more, so I hear tell. Oh boy, I think we're eating too much meat. I really do. Now, there's nothing wrong with a piece of meat every so often. But three squares a day? Americans are overdoing meat. They love it. Well, we ought to become healthy and stop that. But anyway, let's continue. Verse 8, all that is but the beginning of trouble. You see, that's where we are today. We're at the beginning of trouble. We're not at the end. Then men will hand you over to suffer affliction, and they will kill you. Now, that doesn't sound much like a rapture has taken us out of here. No. No, 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 no. Not if they're going to make us suffer affliction and kill you for being either a Jew or a Christian. And you, and let's see, and they will kill you, and you will be hated by all, Gentile, all the Gentiles on account of my name. That shows it's either Christian or Jew. And many will be repelled then, and they will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise and mislead many. And in most of you, the love you have will grow cold by the increase of iniquity. What's going to prosper in, in those days? Iniquity, sin, lawlessness. That's what sin is, First John 3, 4. But he will be saved who holds out to the very end. That's what we've got to do. We're not getting raptured out of here. Forget about it. It's not happening. Not until the return of Christ in the first resurrection, which occurs first, according to Paul, the apostle. This, uh, this is uh, verse 14. This gospel of the rain, R-E-I-G-N, and that's the return and reign and rule of Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. And this is real. It's not uh, something set up in your hearts or it's not mental gymnastics. It's a real kingdom with Jesus at the helm. He's going to be a real on-the-ground kingdom and king. And he will rule in love. This gospel of the reign will be preached over the wide world as a testimony to all the Gentiles, and then the end will come. When you see the appalling horror spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing erect in the holy place, let the reader note this. Then let those that are in Judea fly to the hills. A man on a housetop must not go down to fetch anything or what is inside, and a man in the field must not turn back to go get his coat. 
Woe to women with child and to women who give suck in those days. Pray that you may not have to fly in winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be sore misery then, such as has never been from the beginning of the world till now, no, and never shall be in the future, in other words. Had not those days been cut short, not a soul would be saved alive. However, for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Now, the value of prophecy is to see where we're at. We don't have to panic. It's not today. It's not today. There's a lot that has to happen yet. So, it's not like he's delaying it. Not at all. No, he's right on schedule. But he's not going to speed it up to the point where he misses people. In other words, their opportunity to be um, acquainted with Jesus. Had not those days been cut short, not a soul would be saved alive. It's not a spiritual salvation. It's an on-the-ground real saving your life type situation. But for the elect's sake, and to me the elect means those who elect to have a relationship with Jesus. For the elect's sake, those day excuse me, those days will be cut short. If anyone tells you at that time, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and bring forward great signs and wonders so as to mislead the very elect, if that were possible. I am telling you this beforehand. That's a parenthetical statement Jesus says here in verse 25. If they tell you, here he is, go into the desert. Do not go out. Or... Here he is in the chamber. Do not believe it. Why? For like lightning that shoots from the east to the west, so will be the arrival of the Son of Man. Wherever the carcass is, there will the vultures gather. Get this. This is one of my uh, favorite prophetic books. And verses, verse 29. Immediately after the misery of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not yield her light. The stars will drop from the heaven, or from heaven, and the orbs of the heavens will be shaken. I want to read that to you in another translation. Let's try the NIV. Matthew 24. And verse 29 in the NIV. This NIV is a little harder to find because the numbers are everywhere scattered. They're not lined up on the edge or anything. Uh, Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. 
Have you ever asked your pastor what that verse means? Matthew twenty four twenty nine. Quite a verse. It's a lot said in that one short verse. I'm going to read it again. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened. Why would that happen? And why would the moon not give its light? Why would the stars fall from the sky? And why would the heavenly bodies be shaken? Well, I'm going to give you my take on this based on the Word of God, cover to cover. Immediately after the distress of those days. What distress? Well, nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Back in the early or late 60s, I used to listen to a, a, a podcast, not really a podcast, a radio broadcast at that time, which said that, well, that was during the Vietnam War, and uh, he said that events in the Middle East will pale the Vietnam War into insignificance. That's right. That big deal war over there, we called it a conflict, it was a war, um, would fade into the faint memory, the distance, and events in the Middle East would erupt on the scene as the number one concern of the whole wide world. Now, why? All right, we've got several whys to clean up here. Why will the sun be darkened? Why will the moon not give its light? Why would the stars fall from heaven or from the sky? And why would the heavenly bodies be shaken? I don't believe this heavenly bodies idea is the right translation. Personally, I like uh, uh, I like the uh, NLT. Here's the way it reads, Matthew 24:29, New Living Translation, NLT. And this is a real translation. This isn't a living Bible. The old-fashioned uh, living Bible was a uh, paraphrase. But this is a real translation. Ninety scholars got together to build this thing. And it's quite good. But here's what it says, Matthew 24:29, NLT. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Unquote. The powers of the heavens is the weather. It's not the orbs. It's the weather. It's the weather. Well, why would it be shaken or disrupted? And what what is this business with the stars falling from the sky? Stars are suns like ours, and they can't fall. Am I crit, uh, criticizing Jesus? No. But the way the translators translated it, it's not really quite very clear. But if you go out in a wilderness area, and you look up at the stars, you'll see billions of them. All of those stars are going to fall to the earth, 
No, no, no. So what's Jesus talking about here? Well, if you look up at the night sky long enough, you will see some stars that move. They're traveling at a high rate of speed, and they're going across the sky, one every 10 minutes, roughly. We have over 22,500 satellites out there, and they reflect the sun just like a star. They look like a star, only they travel, they move. And did you know that we have uh, engineers all over the world with these giant radio telescopes beaming signals to and from these satellites? How do you think the Internet stays alive? It's not by cable. No, not at all. It's by these radio satellites. And they beam their signals around this world via a series of these satellites that men have put up there at the cost of billions of dollars, billions and billions of dollars. And so, but it makes today, I mean, we, we do transactions in the, in the banking industry. We get medical information through there. We get our paychecks through there and on and on and on. The Internet is very useful, extremely useful. You can buy things and sell things through the Internet. I'm telling you, I'm predicting a time, based on this, that that will no longer work. Why? Those satellites are the ones that are going to fall. They look like stars. They look just like stars, except that they move. They're the ones that are going to fall. Now, why? Why are they going to fall? They're going to fall because, you see, those satellites are maintained in their orbit by these engineers around the world. Some of these radioscope tel uh, um, satellite uh, dishes are so big, they're on a railroad track, and a train hauls them around and positions them in a giant circle. And um, they're all over the place. They're in South America, they're in North America, they're in Europe, they're in Japan, all over the place. Well, those signals have to happen. They have to fire at certain interval intervals to course correct any deviation from their particular and assigned orbit. If they don't stay in orbit, they'll bonk into one another and fall to the ground. But So what's going to cause them to fall? Well, if there's a cloud cover so thick and so dark and so black, full of oil smoke, do you think those signals are going to be able to penetrate? The answer is no, no, not at all. Why will the moon not give her light? If there's an oil fire, the smoke itself will block the light. That's why. And the sun will be darkened. What would darken the sun? Well, an oil fire. Now, I'm not talking about opening a quart of oil and setting it on fire. Yeah, you'll get black smoke. I'll guarantee you that. It's not going to blacken the sky. 
But now, let's say we had a war in the Middle East between the Shiites and the Sunnis. You know, we always thought it was going to be uh, the United States of Europe versus the United States of America, or America versus Russia, or America versus China, or somebody like that. Who owns Iraq's latest, and in fact, the world's largest oil refinery? And where is it? Well, it's owned by China, and it's in Iraq, according to the Brookings Institute, as I recall. You can go to their website, type in where is the oil, and you can find a lot of information out there. In Iraq, you got to understand the lay of the land. The lay of the land there is, Iraq is a valley. It's a valley. The mountains separate Iraq from Iran. That's where the mountain ridge is. And then on the other side, where Saudi Arabia, Arabia picks up, there's another set of mountains. And then Arabia is mostly mountains. It's mountains all over the place except for where there's flat deserts. Well, underneath is oil. In Iraq, oil is on top of the ground forming pools. On top of the ground already. And this is in the Bible. It's back in Genesis when Abraham was uh, chasing the five kings that he finally, he and his men, defeated. Some of them were in their flight away from Abraham, falling into these pools. The pools get covered with a layer of sand, and they can't tell where, where they're at. And they fell in and drowned in that oil. Can you imagine what a hideous way to go? But that's where they're at. They're called tar sands or tar uh, asphalt really is what it is. It's when the hydrogen molecule evaporates out of oil. And the earth makes that oil, by the way. That is not buried dinosaurs like Chevron used to teach. No, it's abiotic. It's made by the earth. It's made by methane, hydrogen, carbon, and mixed with heat and pressure and spewed up through the cracks of the earth. And that's the way the oil is made. Now, if there's a war between the Shiites, which would be Iran, and the Sunnis, which would be Saudi Arabia, and some of those atomic weapons that they acquire will land in Iraq on the oil we're going to have one big fire. And not just one, but many, many of them. For there are many oil refineries. They're all going to be nuked, or at least many of them. That's what's going to cause the cloud cover to hide the light of the sun, making it dark. What would that do? Well, for one thing, there wouldn't be any light. It'd be dark all the time. Nobody would be going to work. Jesus predicted that. He said, the night comes when no man can work. Where did he say that? John 9, 4. Here's the way it reads. 
I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. Wow. So what you have there is a glimpse into Jesus' own insight. There will come a day when no man can work. Well, why? Because they're in a vast panic trying to find a way to stay alive. You can't grow food in those days. You can't buy food from the store. Nobody's going to be going to work. They're going to be going home and defending their food supply. So there are bad days coming. Hopefully, I won't be around to see those days. And I hope you won't either. Not that I want you to die, but that you are protected. God can protect us through this. That's the thing. We've got to watch. So let's go on to verse 30. Then a sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Then all the tri uh, tribes of the earth will wail. Well, why are they wailing? Because they don't have any food and they're panicking. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will dispatch his angels with a loud trumpet call to muster his elect from the four winds. Note the order of this whole thing. It's after the sun goes dark. So don't hold your breath right now because it's not happening. Um, from the four winds, from the verge of heaven to the verge of earth, let the fig tree teach you a parable. As soon as its branches turn soft, and put out their leaves, you know summer is close at hand. So, whenever you see all this happen, all of this happen, yep, you may be sure that he, Jesus, is at hand at the very door. I tell you truly, the present generation will not pass away till all this happens. That's the generation that lives during that time. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words never. In other words, if heaven and earth were, were to pass away, even Jesus' words would not pass away. No one knows anything of that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. And you can read the rest, but I'm over time already. But I wanted to fill you in on these details and uh, give it some thought. I know it's new, and you may not have entertained that before. Study the word darkness. Study the word darkness in the Bible, like Joel 2, um, Zephaniah 3, verses 4 and 8, Ezekiel 38, verse 20, Luke, um, well, Luke 21, and uh, Mark 13, Isaiah 40, verse 4 and 5, and, and there's loads of places else. Jeremiah 20, or 4, 27 and 28. Revelation 16, 12 and 17. And Isaiah 34. Read that. All that whole chapter. Scary stuff. Anyway, go to my website if you like. It's itellwhy.com. There's nothing for sale. 
But um, no ads, nothing like that. I'm not trying to get your email or anything. I'm just trying to give the truth out. So until next time, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Have a great day.